Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. Here we go. <laughs> Just in time for me to tell you what it is. Biblical hope, here's a, here's a really lovely pithy definition that I like. It is the confident expectation of eventual good. The confident expectation of eventual good. That is what hope is from a biblical perspective. Both the Hebrew and the Greek words carry this sense of certainty that there's the expectation of eventual good. Now the New Testament goes even further than that and describes hope as a person. So let's go to 1 Timothy 1. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Saviour, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. So, not only is it a statement, a description, but actually hope is a person because everything belongs to Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. The present and the future belong to him. And our anticipation is that if the earth is to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, then Christ is our future. And that is our confident expectation. Whatever the world looks like right now, the future from heaven's perspective is that it becomes a Christ-filled world. Because Christ fills the highest heaven and his intention is that what's in heaven comes to earth. So this fuels our hope. Um, so, if Jesus is our ultimate hope, then the stuff that he says and the stuff that he teaches and opens up to us is of vital importance. Because we are heading where he's already gone. We are to express hope because he is hope. So I want us to go back into John's Gospel, John chapter 14, please. And um, there's this passage of scripture here which uh, biblical scholars call the Upper Room Discourse. It all takes place in the Upper Room right before Jesus is crucified. He takes um, Passover with his disciples. He initiates the new covenant uh, in his blood. And um, he, he has this intimate setting with his disciples where he just opens up his heart and shares things with his disciples in a way that he's never shared with them before. And it's an absolute honour and privilege that we get to access what went on in that room as Jesus, the Apostle, was opening up his heart and sharing his heart with his fellow apostles. And clearly, one of the things that Jesus spoke about a whole load was the person of his father and his relationship with his father. Kept talking about his father. So we'll break into the conversation. John 14, 
verse 8, Philip, that's one of the apostles, one of his disciples, said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Clearly, Jesus has been talking about the Father so much, Philip just says, well, show us the Father then. Jesus' response is this. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Then he goes on to say this, which is stunning. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. And so all along, the Father has been living in Jesus because Jesus was living in the Father. And the Father who is in Jesus, abiding in him, living in him, is initiating the words that he says, the actions he does. It's actually the Father living his life in Christ and that life of God overflowing. I'm just, have you got your Bibles with you? Yeah? You're all electronic, I know. I, I, I like rustling pages because I'm of that era. So, uh, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 2 a moment, verse 22. This is Peter on the day of Pentecost. He stands up and says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene. What does it say next? Sorry, which, which verse is it? Acts 2, verse 22. Jesus the Nazarene. And then it says, Was a man accredited by God? That's it. That's it. Jesus, in my version it says this, Jesus the Nazarene, a man. It doesn't say God. Jesus, a man, attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. So what's the issue here? Peter is saying Jesus became a man. What he did, he did as a man. He didn't do what he did as God. Now he was God. I'm not suggesting that he wasn't. He was perfectly human and perfectly divine. And the human and the divine were together. But he emptied himself of the glory of his divinity and what he did he did as a man empowered by the spirit with the father living inside of him and he did it as a man and God was on the inside of him doing his works if he did it as God it's just wonderful but it's completely unattainable to us because he has something that we don't have and so here's the thing, the Son of God became a Son of Man so that the sons of men can become sons of God. He had to become like us if he's our perfect example. If he had an inside track, 
because he was God, he could do those things, then we can certainly applaud him for what he did. But it's absolutely unattainable to us. But because he did it as a man, with the Father inside of him, initiating and speaking his words and doing his works through him, this is Peter, who's one of his closest disciples. This is his account. Jesus of Nazareth, a man who God did these things through. So in this upper room place, after he gets resurrected, he appears to them and freaks them out because he walks through the wall of the door when it was locked, stands in their midst, clearly they're agitated, so he says, peace to you. And then he says, as the Father sent me, I am now sending you. Here's a question. How did the Father send him? The Father sent him by living in him and living his life through him. As the Father sent me, now I am sending you. How does Jesus send us? By living in us and through us. If Jesus is our hope because he lives in us he's living in us we are his temple if he is hope and if we're living if he's living in us and living his life in us if his life gets poured out of us what comes out of us it's hope because he is hope hope springs because it's Christ in us that's causing his life to come out of us I just sense that the Holy Spirit right across the body of Christ is wanting to reawaken the reality of Christ in us the hope of glory I'm, I'm not having a human existence and he is somewhere else. Actually, his promise was, I will be in you. Yeah. And he wants to use my body, my mouth, my hands to express the life that he is now living in me and wants to use me to express it. And so, you and I become an, a means of an encounter with God to the people around us. We are those that give hope to those who have no hope. Doesn't mean that somehow we live lives that are sanitized and completely removed from them. Look, we live 
on terra firma, we live in this culture and in this environment, but having Jesus on the inside means that the way we live, the source of our lives, and the way that we do life is completely different from the people around us. Why is it that you can experience the same circumstances as your neighbours, they can be troubled, you can be peaceful? Why is that? Because the Prince of Peace dwells on the inside. I, because of my connection with him, I still have the ability to choose anxiety, but if I partner with him on the inside, I get to reflect peace. We, we realize in these days, peace is a huge issue that we have not given enough attention to. It's the God of peace living on the inside of us that so imparts his peace that when people are anxious and edgy, that we get to speak peace and change the environment. We, we're doing that right now on our street. It's so much fun. That the people who are anxious are coming to us because they're attracted by a peace because we are learning to carry and to honour the Prince of Peace inside of us. And we begin to change the atmosphere because if my world inside can be changed by Jesus and he's, he's, he's doing that, then what's inside me can imp be imparted around me and we can shift the atmosphere around us. Isn't it amazing that this is what we've been called to? So hope springs is that this hope that's in us, who's a person? It's Jesus Christ. This hope is not for us to keep to ourselves, but simply that it's to spring out of us. The life that's in us, the life of the Father was in Jesus, and the life of Jesus is in us, is to spring out of us and affect the world around us. Marge is going to say something. Go ahead, Dick. I just... I just want to share a testimony of a speaking piece. So we've been in our house where we are now for two years. And probably it started last year. There was a couple that moved into an apartment just across the road. And he, bless him, obviously had mental issues. And you would hear him shouting and bawling all night. And one night Ian saw her leaving and him dragging her back. And... Um, this went on for a while and we just spoke, I mean we had some people staying with us and they said you need to call the police if this because this goes on all the time. And I said hang on a minute, um, my words carry life, you know power and death is in the, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I said let's declare peace first. Because I didn't want to call the police because they would get to know who called them. And I, not that I was afraid of that, but I wanted, if there was opportunity, to be peace to that couple. Sure. To be able to minister to them. And I wanted them to think that I could be a safe, we could be a safe place for them. So we just stood outside the house and we just spoke peace into that house and into the whole situation. And we didn't hear another thing for a long time. And then I heard it start again. I just went outside and I just said, Lord, I just bless them with peace. I just speak peace into our street and I just speak peace into their situation. Anyway, they've left and they've left for good. But it was just the fact that it stopped when I spoke peace 
police instead of me hammering on the door or calling the police. Obviously, you need wisdom in these things. But there's a number of things that have happened wherever we've lived where we've just spoken peace to whatever's been going on in the neighbourhood, and it's stopped. Sure. And, and just to say, you know, this speaking of peace is something that uh, God has um, been really reminding us of. Uh, we did it in the previous house that we lived. Here's the thing is, if you speak peace, those that don't want peace will ultimately move away. Yeah. Where those that want peace will be attracted. So there's some neighbours across the road, just a few up from these neighbours that have just left, uh, came across to us just a few weeks ago and said, look, we have a friend who is uh, sick. Would you please... Can you do prayers for them? Well, just do you do prayers? Do you do prayers? So we said, yeah, we do prayers. <laughs> uh, would you pray for peace? What was it? The peace that's on us and the peace that they feel from us, they want that peace for their friend who's going through challenging times. See, it's what's in us that pours out of us that creates then the opportunity for people to receive from us. And it's a person. So, Jesus says to his, his disciple Philip in, in the context of the upper room, don't you realise that I am in the Father and the Father is in me and the works that I do it's the Father in me doing them. Then Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. I'm, I'm going to be abiding in you and you'll abide in me. But I'm going to live in you and I will do my works through you. And you well know that John 15, this thing of abiding, is, is all about Jesus trying to unwrap for the disciples what does it look like. And he uses the image of the vine. Um, one of the things he says in chapter 15 and verse 9 is this, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So the Father, who is love, is living in him and constantly pouring out his love into Jesus' heart. What Jesus receives from the Father, he then pours out to his disciples. He then is the perfect example for our lives that because he lives in us, he is so full of love. He pours out his love into our hearts and it's so abundant that it can't stay in our hearts. Fullness is always expressed by overflow. So if we're filled with his love, it begins to pour out into the environment around us. And it's this love that is felt so genuinely by people. This is what everybody is requiring. Everybody is hardwired for love. And people don't receive it so often. So when it is given, people really open up to it. I mean, I just had a lovely conversation with a guy this morning who's right on the front here. And um, bless him, he needs love. Yeah. So I want to stop with him and give him some time. 
talk to him about the building. He you know, he's, he's obviously knows a little bit about it. Just a fascinating building to me. Looking down the corridor, all the all the photographs of how it was used. And I am that age where this place was still a factory when I was walking around as a younger guy. But of course, because I never grew up here, I never knew it existed. But I begin to interact with him and he just comes alive. I first came here, he says, in 1974, I worked in my dad's business. Because I just asked him the question, do you ever work here? No, I worked in my dad's business, but I came for change because working on Roots cars, and my dad was one of the manufacturers for Roots cars. The guy comes alive. Of course, I had to extricate myself because I needed to come in here for a meeting. But you know what? It's just simply taking attention giving attention to people, giving time to them, allowing who's inside of you to begin to spill out of you so that you connect with people. People are hardwired for love. If we will give them time, it just causes openness in people's hearts to receive from us. So Jesus lived in the Father's love. The other thing he lived in, Is it John said he came full of grace and truth and so grace is favor and uh, because we're in Christ there is favor on each one of our lives let me say this about favor favor isn't just for ourselves favor is given yes it's for me but it's so that people around me can experience the favor that's on me. So John says, he comes full of grace and truth. And then he says, of his favor, of his grace, we have all received grace upon grace. Whatever God has given you as favor and grace, and everybody's got some, different measures, different graces, different gifts. This grace is on you, not just for yourself, but to give away to others. And as you give it away to others, then they experience the grace of God. And every one of us was made for the grace of God. Because our lives weren't to be dependent on what we do in our own strength. We were to receive what comes from above. So Jesus lived full of love, full of grace, and also full of the Spirit. Remember he didn't do a thing until he received the Spirit at his baptism. The Spirit came upon him. He was filled with the Spirit and led, with the, led by the Spirit. So Jesus, like I'm saying, is our perfect example in everything. And when Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus, you look into Paul and you see the same things happening in his life that happened in Jesus' life. So he would say this, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. This is Paul saying, 
It's not about me living my life. It's not about me being the best person I can be. It's actually Jesus Christ himself living his life in me. The words I speak are his words. The actions I do are his works. This is God's calling on Paul. It's God's calling on every other person that's born, by, born again by grace. And because Jesus gets to live inside of us, it's hope for the world around us. Yeah. You know, when he wrote to the Philippians, he's just so clear. He says, um, for me to live is Christ. If I die, that's just a bonus. I'm going to see him face to face. But right now, my life is all about living Christ. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, realizing that he lives on the inside of us and wants out of us, is the beginning of releasing hope, for hope springing into the world around us. So in going into work tomorrow morning, if you go into work, it's not just you going in, but it's Christ in you that's going into that environment and you can be conscious of who you're carrying. But we've got to take the time to appreciate who's inside of us. Just a couple of weeks ago, went to Leicester General Infirmary, no, Leicester Royal Infirmary, pray for a little baby and um, I'm in the lift with somebody who's really agitated going upstairs in the hospital it's understandable hospital is a place where the sick people and people get agitated around sickness because it's so distressing and so they, they're really agitated going up in the lift and um, so I get out of the lift on the floor that I am and leave them in to go to a higher floor and I get out of the lift and the, because I'm going to pray for this baby the first thing I do is stop because I want to connect with the Jesus inside of me. I want to align myself with his nature. I want to be in his love and in his peace and in his grace. And so for probably half a minute, there was nobody else around. I stood outside the lift and just refreshed myself in who Jesus is for me and allowing who he is inside of me to fill me up. And then I went in to pray for this baby. And it's taking the time to connect with Jesus inside of us so that our lives are aligned, that we pour him out into the environments around us. Otherwise, if we get taken up with the environment around us, all we'll ever do is reflect the environment back to itself. But God wants us to draw from a different source, pour him out, because he's inside of us. You, you really are far too awesome to just reflect the world's troubles back to itself. Because you're born from above. You're born with destiny in your lives. You are the... You are carrying the risen Christ inside of you. So we learn to connect with him and then pour him out. This is such a fab scripture. 
I just want to read this to you, Romans 15. Again, this is Paul. As you know, he wrote Romans 15. And here's his description of his life up until this time when he wrote Romans. Romans 15, verse 18. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So here's the context. He's saying to the Romans, from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, which is present-day Croatia, he's gone from city to city, preaching the gospel, releasing the power of God by signs and wonders and miracles. And it's what Christ, who's living in him, has done through him. He's not going to even boast about himself. It's all about Jesus being resident inside of him and Jesus being released through him. That's hope springs. He is the hope of the world on the inside and Paul is simply releasing him to the people around him. And he's saying, I've got no more place in this area from Jerusalem around to Croatia. I'm off to Spain. Because I've never been there. The Lord is calling me to go there. I'm going to do the same when I go to Spain. I'm going to pour out the Jesus inside of me. I'm going to pour him out to those around me. Now this is what Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. <coughs> Jesus had the Father in him doing his works. Paul imitated Jesus, having Jesus in him, Jesus doing his works. And he said to the rest of us, follow me. Have Jesus in you and cause him to be pouring out of you, changing the environment around you. The only way we change the environment around us is conscious of the person inside of us. Yeah. And it's our joy, it really is our joy in this journey to learn to live from the Christ inside of us and then pour him out. So this is what we've oh, over the last however months, I don't know how much it is. This is what we've learned to do. It's been a real shift for me. Because my previous practice was I've got to give something to God. So every morning I've got to give. I've got to give praise. I've got to give prayer. I've got to give worship. I've got, I've got to give to the Lord. And what I realise, what we've come to realise, is that our Heavenly Father is so abundantly generous that He can't wait for us to wake up to give to us. When, when we had little ones, when they were really small, Marge couldn't wait for them to 
wake up because she wanted to pour out her affection, her love, her kisses, her cuddles, la di da di da. She just wanted to pour it out on the kids. Sometimes she would have liked to have woken them up just for the sake of pouring out. Now, if that's what we're like as humans, and because our Heavenly Father is of another order, He's watching over you. Can't wait for you to wake up. Can't wait to pour out what He's filled with into your heart and life because He's a better Father than any Father we've experienced. And so what we've learned to do in the morning in bed is just lie there and go, okay, I'm going to receive. Today, there's fresh favor, fresh grace. I receive your grace. I receive the favor that you want to pour into my life. It's not just for my benefit. It's that I might give it away to those around me. The pools of favor come pooling out of my life. In the same way, because he's the God like we've been sang, sang so beautifully this morning, who's got this amazing love, I wake up in the morning, he wants to pour his love into me. He's not expecting my worship. He wants me to receive. It's really difficult to stop from worshiping once you've received love. You just want to say, thank you, Jesus. But it starts with receiving. It doesn't start with, oh, I've got to get up and thank the Lord for another day. No, just simply receive. That will cause you to thank. Every day is an opportunity to receive more of Holy Spirit, just to drink of him. Not to start by doing, but start by receiving. This stuff is life-changing because it causes us to pour out of the abundance that he pours into us instead of me living on empty and feeling I've got to give him something that's just fumes really and not substance. I don't feel like doing it, but I suppose I will bless the Lord. So here goes. Why don't you just receive? Why don't you just enjoy what comes from him? And having received, pour it out to him and pour it out to others around. So as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. I'm going to bring this to a close here. by giving you this scripture that you know so well but I'm going to highlight it again because it's so precious Colossians 1 God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles I'm a Gentile I wasn't in the in crowd I didn't have any access to God but in the new covenant, he came to me, gave me new birth into his family. I now belong to him, and I'm as much connected to his heart as anybody who had been a Jew by birth. He circumcised my heart so that I can be connected to him. And then he goes on to say this to those of us who are Gentiles, 
This mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the way that you respond to situations is intriguing to people. The way that you live your lives with Christ in you means that you don't go off the deep end like they go off the deep end. There's a patience. There's a, there's a kindness. There's a compassion that you have that they don't know and they're looking at you. And it's Christ in you and that Christ in you who is our hope is reflecting out of you the hope of glory. It's possible to live a different way. It's possible not to be shaped by circumstances but you're living from a different source. You want to say something here a bit? Just one of the things that has really changed me in this was learning to give thanks in whatever situation I was in. I went through a really tough situation a couple of years ago and there didn't seem to be any way out of it. And I just heard God say, I want you to start thanking me. And yeah, I look at the situation, it's like, what's there to thank? So I'd wake up in the morning and I'd just go, thank you that I'm still alive. Thank you I've got breath. Thank you for clean sheets. I'd go to the bathroom. Thank you for the bathroom. Thank you for the toothpaste. Anything that I could give thanks for, I gave thanks. And I started to change. And I started to have fresh hope. And the situation didn't change for a while. It eventually did. But what was amazing was the way I changed. So that now that when anything happens, I look for something to give thanks for. Even, we all face crazy drivers on the road. Sometimes I might be the crazy driver. But I used to kind of go, oh, what an idiot. And then I go, God, I'm so sorry I called that man an idiot. But now, my response says thank you Lord for saving me from that crazy driver would you bless him and bring him to his senses and protect anyone else from him and it's just amazing that any kind of road rage that might start coming up just goes and I just found giving thanks in everything you, you can't always give thanks for the bad things happening but you can find something to give thanks for while you're in it yeah And so God's intention is that with Christ living in you, he's intending you to be attractive to people around you. At first they may not respond to you like that. They might be irritated by you because why aren't you reacting like I am? But as you consistently live Christ and express Christ there's something of attractiveness that God wants to put on your life favor that's people will say I have no idea what that person has but they've got access to something that I haven't got this is the way I came to Jesus I grew up in a house where both my mum and dad were Christians and filled with the Spirit. And I saw that there was a peace in them that I didn't have. And I realized it was because of their relationship with Jesus which I didn't have.
and their lives and the way that they lived them attracted me to what is going on inside of them. God intends for you to become even more attractive than you are. Carriers of the Prince of Peace. Carriers of his nature. You're drinking from an unseen well. But the reality is it's spilling out from you. This phrase, just the name over your community, Hope Springs. God intends you to be a people that carry hope because you carry Christ and what's in you, Christ, springs out of you and there's pools of grace and there's pools of love and there's pools of realms of the Spirit that people can drink of. They just love being around you. So I want to bless you, okay? Father, I just ask that by your Holy Spirit, that Christ might dwell even more in these precious people's hearts by faith than ever before. And that I just ask that as a result of what we've shared today, that as they stop and connect with you on the inside, that out of partnership with you, your life, your words, your actions, your power, your presence might flow out of them and change the environment around. And I ask that this banner of hope springs that is over this community, it shall become even more of a greater reality than it's ever been. We just ask for this city and wherever they go in the surrounding area, that they shall be carriers of Jesus and carriers of hope and bring blessing to everyone they meet, that people will be so loved by them that they will want to know why is it that you love us and are you so kind. And so, Father, I just bless this community to enter into a greater portion of what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.